mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. All Season 3 episodes are available now. Stream every episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like the After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download the Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Welcome to the First Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Feaster. Joined with me as usual is Kyle Henning. And our new line mate, Logan Eilers. Boys, how we doing? Playoffs are back. Off night tonight, watching uh, baseball because there's literally that. It's that or the AKC dog jumping championships, which I had on split screen with it for a while because it was actually more entertaining than the baseball game for about the first 20, 30 minutes. But now that they've actually like scored a couple runs each side, there's at least something to do in the baseball game. So, yeah. I'm feeling good, man. Outside, um, I had a seven-leg Game 7 parlay with the NHL and the NBA, and the Suns had to just take a big poop in their pants, and I lost it. Everything. Say, let me get right. you bet on Phoenix. I bet on Phoenix. It was a free play bet, so I didn't lose anything, but, like, man, I could have gotten some pretty nice money if I went seven for seven. I went six for seven. I got all the hockey games right. Honestly, that's all that matters. I got all five hockey games right over the weekend. So, it was great hockey this weekend. Great hockey. It was indeed great hockey. We have come to the end of the first round of the most exciting sport on earth, the NHL playoffs. Going into round two, our matchups are going to be the New York Rangers versus the Carolina Hurricanes, the Battle of Florida, the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Florida Panthers, the Battle of Alberta, Edmonton versus Calgary, and St. Louis versus Colorado. I feel like I'm getting flashbacks to round one last year. This is all feeling very familiar in my eyes. So let's first get started with a quick recap of the previous series. Talk about how teams advanced, why they didn't. Leafs fans, you're probably going to want to tune out right about now because it's not going to go well for you. I (laughs) promise you this is going to be your trigger warning because you need to hear it. And if you don't want to, turn it off now. I assume that's going to go for some other fan bases if any of you want to shout them out to let them know. (laughs) We'll get there. All right, so is there one you want to start with, Logan? Any particular series you felt ended poorly? I mean, no offense. Um, I mean, there's one series that points out differently from everyone else, and that's Colorado-Nashville, Go, call it, you know, the abs, the betting favorites <laughs> to win the cup, sweeps Nashville. Congratulations, Nashville. You got Predators your – you'll, you'll want to stay for this because – this is stuff that you already all know that you want your organization to hear. What okay. we're getting ready to talk about now. Nashville's trash organization. They had no business being there. The only reason they made it there 
and I will remind you, they blew a 4-0 lead to the Arizona Coyotes to drop to the to the second wildcard place so they could get shellacked by Colorado. The only reason they were there was because the general manager of a team by the name of the Vegas Golden Knights decided to be the ultimate moron and trade for an injured Jack Eichel so he could not help their team for most of the season he was on their roster. And that's the only reason – Vegas did not make the playoffs, in my opinion. They they should have made the playoffs because Nashville was so bad. They didn't because they didn't get their horses out of the bar until too late. And by the time Eichel was back, they lost too many other pieces. Vegas had some significantly um, poor injury luck this year in a couple of categories, which kind of doomed them because they were gearing up to make that run, and then Stone got hurt, and they were – like, that's a tough that, – for the GM, that's rough. Also, <clears throat> uh, news today that – Pete DeBoer is out in Vegas, so um, that screams Barry Trotz, but we'll see what they do. I really struggle with that firing personally because I believe in accountability, and I don't understand how the GM is not the one being axed here because you made you made the bet, and as we know, Vegas is a betting town. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and when you lose, it's your turn, and I feel like he got off scot-free after making the bad bet and is just passing the buck off to DeBoer. I get that. Here's my thing. He's the constant in their successes between the two coaches that they've had. They've had two coaches already and one general manager, and they've had success with the previous coach and the first year of this coach. And now, goodbye. If they have a Nashville-like era where, you know, go through coaches, that's a problem. Well, Vegas – stated clearly that they wanted one in five years was their goal. They missed that based on missing the playoffs this year on what took place. Now you can argue whose fault it is. Is it DeBoer's? Is it the general manager? Um, I would recommend you look at the off season approach to their goaltending is a bigger reason is why they may have had problems in the Jack Eichel thing. Let's say who's this Mark Andre Fleury guy. I never heard of him. Yeah. And anyway, so, well, and he didn't have the most spectacular first round either, but, that's partially because you're playing who you're playing when you're dealing with St. Louis. So a team that shows up when it is game time. And let's go to that series right now, because that is a team every year that they may struggle and limp into the playoffs. But when it comes time, everybody on that team turns it up. We kind of saw a little bit of a resurgence from uh, Jordan Bennington at the end of that series. He got the wins he needed to help that team advance. I like Minnesota as a team. I think they're very exciting. I'm disappointed in myself that I thought this year would be different than every year where they do a first-round exit. But um, I'm, I may have to let Jen know this is the last time I ride with her wild because that was painful to watch. Oh, and they're still so young. Yeah. Yeah. They, but the thing is they, they're going into the cap hell because now you have the Suter and Parise contracts taken up. I'm pretty sure combined $12 million in, in dead cap. So – they're, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what Minnesota can actually do with it. Um, I St. Louis man, they're good, they're good. Bennington stepping up is just massive. It, it increases their odds on winning just I think, dramatically. I think they have the least amount of variance from line one through line three of any team in the playoffs, which is why they're so good. Mm. Uh, if if you look at their top nine they're all pretty much the same guys. Like it, you don't have a lot of drop off between lines when you go from one to two to three. And in the playoffs, we know this styles make fights and they got matchups for any kind of team that they play against. That's why this Colorado St. Louis series is going to be so interesting 
can the avalanche bar and and pun pun not intended pun re- required can they avalanche the blues because that's what colorado is they are in fact an avalanche they will just absolutely hit you and then bury your ass the problem is st louis is really good about not letting that happen so this is a, basically a round object and a square peg and good luck like r- good luck with your round hole and your square peg because it's not going to work like who's going to win this is how this is going to go yep. unstoppable force meets immovable object let's stay in the west shout out to the kings for going seven games i thought they were going to get smoked fast and quick it was good to see Jonathan Quick play as well as he did. Um, God, there was a moment there for in that game. Where personally, I thought... really would have loved to see them eliminate Edmonton. That's because of my own personal bias. You can look it up. It's well noted and documented. I I tweeted during that game. I said, do not let Jonathan Quick be Jonathan Quick, the superhero. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go ask San Jose. Yep. Go, go ask <laughs> – Go ask any Chicago. of those drug that eight seed of an LA Kings to a Stanley Cup with. Go ask any of them yep. because that I'm dude, beautiful. when he goes in that mode, it's over. Like it's over. Mm-hmm. And they literally had to just break the force field. And you saw the same thing in the Calgary Dallas series too, which we'll get to in a second. But that performance, yeah. like, Throughout Jonathan Quick's career, he's been, if he's on fire, you're in trouble. And I don't care what kind of offense you have. So that's why they went seven. And he, I, there was a point in game seven where I was like, this is why if you're Edmonton, you never wanted to get here. You yeah. never wanted to be in game seven because that dude can steal a game. He can steal series, yeah. let alone, I mean, easily steal a game. The man can flat out steal series, and he's done it. So... Uh, that Kings team is supposed to be next year. Right. Very young. Um, this was a nice freebie experience thing, and you just took one of the best teams in the West to seven and made them sweat for it too. You should be excited. If you're a Kings fan, you should be very excited for what the future holds. You're ahead of schedule. Just don't get too crazy. Take the ease. You got some teams in the West who are, might fall, and you got to jump up and take their place. Um, going to Edmonton, Mike Smith, he was great. He was great. Was, at, he? was he at he some was point? Great. And he was then, above average. He was above average. He was Remember, great when he didn't do absolutely psycho, psychotic, psychotic yeah. stuff. That's my problem with Mike Smith. He's always his brand. Like that's it's the roller coaster. I don't want watching my goaltender to be a roller coaster. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only roller coaster I should feel is when my goalie makes a 10-bell save on, a, like, a power play. Yeah. Like, that's – I shouldn't – every play shouldn't be a roller coaster. A fundamental save should not be a – wow. I see you haven't been one. playing with third-string goalies very often I, in your franchise. It's uh, – I mean, I, I – hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I had that stint in Calgary, my friend. I had a stint, dude. I <laughs> I remember going to games and wondering if every dump-in was somehow going to end up in the back of the net at times, okay? Is that there like in the many, playoffs? Many a rough nights, all right? Is that in the playoffs, though? That was trying to make the playoffs, so it was even worse. It was, you know, we really need this one. Really need this one. After you had a after you had a guy that had basically had a Vesna year for, like, over half the season, and then they had worn him into the ground and couldn't play enough, couldn't get any help from the backups because they didn't have one. 
All right, moving on to Calgary. Um, shout out to uh, Ottinger, Dallas's goaltender. Mm-hmm. Shout out to their goalie coach, Jeff Reese. Unbelievable what he's done. I don't know if Ottinger had a chance to uh, learn at all under Bish before he retired. If he did, I think Bish should go into goalie coaching because he has mentored some of the most incredible goaltenders. I mean, Bish want at, to? I don't know, but he should because he seems to be a guru at it. I mean, <laughs> you look at the guys who've come after him. They've been studs. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky, ever heard of him? Heard of him? Maybe. Nope. No? Yeah, I didn't think so. Ottinger, unbelievable. I, did he break the record for most saves in the series? I know he got real close. I thought so. He broke yeah. s- several yeah. stupid like game. I think he broke the game seven save thing, didn't he? Awesome. Did he did. He was unbelievable. And again, that's a team that he he was getting no help out there. Unfortunately, he None. was getting very little defense. And the goals he did give up, if you go and watch, they're some of the most hard to save pucks I've ever seen. <laughs> and we're goal. talking. Snipes from an unbelievable angle and players. The, the goal, goal that finished it. The goal that finished it. It's off a rebound. There's no way that puck is supposed yeah. to get where it gets. And Gaudreau, because the puck rolls, he gets more elevation on it, and it ends up in the six-inch hole between his shoulder and the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Like the, sometimes, after you've seen a hundred shots in three and a half periods or whatever it was, you just put your hands up and go, "He he beat me." Finally. Yeah. That's probably the most exciting thing for Dallas fans is knowing that, hey, who cares if Holpe's healthy or not? We got this stud here who we knew was probably going to be a future leader for us, but to see it come so early must just be a huge excitement for them. You know, it's not it's not easy to find that generational goaltending talent, and so to get it early, unbelievable. I mean, the dude was averaging almost 40 saves a night, like 272 saves in a series, which broke – the Dallas franchise record. Yeah. I mean, he single-handedly kept Dallas in this series, just not letting Calgary score at will like they had been during the regular season. And now the questions of Calgary, the the ability to score for Calgary is now raised before they have to play against, you know, just the best duo in hockey, at least for scoring the puck. And when we look ahead, I'm not even worried about, I, 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 bet the over in every one of those games when you look at the goaltenders. Marshall had two goals on eight shots, so goals are going to be coming fast and furious with Mike Smith and Marshall in net, so don't even worry about that. The other way you can tell what kind of performance it was by Jake Ottinger, and I tweeted this out last night, go watch the handshake line when Markstrom and him meet. The, the size of the eyeballs of Markstrom during that conversation, he looks like he's just seen a ghost. Yeah. Like, he's just in awe of the performance because it was probably the best goaltending performance I've seen, like, ever, maybe, in a playoff, mm-hmm. especially in that kind of a moment. And it it's a loss because they could do nothing in front of him. Mm-hmm. If that were a Stanley Cup Finals, I think you'd have a hard time not giving him a con Smythe, personally, on, on a losing team. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's if that's in if he drags them all the way through four series and then still does that in in the in the final. Yeah, he he wins that award. Yeah, that's why the Jonathan Quick thing should have been the thing for the eight seed Kings, and I think it ended up being somebody else. Yeah, I think it might have been was it Dustin Brown that year? Because he had all the games. Brown, Kopitar, it was one of those guys. I think. Moving over to the East, we had Carolina 
outlast the Boston Bruins in the game seven. And I got to be honest, early on, Kane's Twitter remains undefeated. They sent one out before the playoffs, and everyone was ragging them all. Wait till you know Boston's going to run through you. Boston couldn't hang. You know, it's great. It's easy to win at home, which both teams did. But when that game seven's on the road and you got to have it, that's a different level. And they did. And the player that did it the best, the guy when they need to step up, and something you can look to is like a killer instinct. I saw an article, Max Delmi. I know when they made yeah. that play near the end of the year, everyone was making fun of him because he struggled. He didn't really get it going. But he is a guy that when it comes down to game time, he shows up in a big way in those big moments. And that is what you need in playoff hockey. I, I, go ahead. Do you have anything, Logan? No, I, no, I wasn't saying anything. I was oh, my waiting. bad. I thought I heard you saying something. No. Uh, I'm, I'm good with what they got. I, look. Do I think Domi's a better player than a lot of people give him credit for because everybody likes to associate him immediately with his father? Yes. Is that fair? No. Is that reality? Yes. Um, they're different players because his dad was Brad Marchand on cocaine with a fighting problem. Um, uh, you got, anybody, anybody wants to argue that with me, go watch Ty Domi highlights. I I'm dare not- you. No argument here. Not arguing. Uh, so associating Max to that is unfair to Max because they're different play styles. Max has quite a bit of speed and skill in his game. Now, is he necessarily opposed to being a bit annoying slash mixing it up? No, because that part of that is somewhat genetic. You do kind of learn from your elders. But his game is nowhere similar to his father's. And as much as people love to hate Ty Domi, and I, trust me, if he doesn't play on your team, you hate Ty Domi. That's just how that works. But that seeing him as happy as he was for what happened for Max in that game, and because he was in the building for that, so that was that was pretty cool. Max having that kind of game, especially because you're right, man, he took a beating for a while because he wasn't living up to expectations. And people talk about it all the time. Where do you make your name for yourself? in the playoffs, especially in game sevens. And he just did that for them. Two goals and an assist, I believe. Yep. Uh, yet you can't ask for anything else than that. Yep. Moving on, we had Florida finally get their first series win since 96 against the Washington Capitals. And this is another prime example of it's not just enough to have the Stars play well. You need to have that bottom six roster. Carter Rahegi, former Tampa Bay Lightning player, he put that team on his back and single-handedly willed them into the next round the way he played. It was unbelievable. And, again, you had great play from the Stars. Hubert uh, Claude, great deadline acquisition. He was not he was not cheap. That was great to get him. But you need to have that bottom six play out of their mind and play with a level of intensity, and you see it. And you can tell when guys go down to block shots that normally they wouldn't. That's when you know they care. And – Washington's a good team. I think they still have a lot of questions in net. I think they have two capable goaltenders, but none that are going to win you series. And when you rely on TJ Oshie to make, you know, incredible goal after incredible goal to keep you in games, that's not reliable. Are we going to talk about the elephant in the room in Washington? Uh, Go ahead. They're older than hell. Very. That group 
is nearing its end, and they do not have the goaltending for a cup run. Period. I, Samsonov is fine. He is not winning you a Stanley Cup. Yep. As it stands right now, Samsonov an RFA to B. Vanacek is also an RFA. I mean, they're they're an old team. They came in, and I they really thought they're ancient. They're top heavy, and they have no goaltending. TJ Oshie yeah. kept them in that series. If it was not for TJ Oshie, that team gets blown out in five. I just I, and I talked about this immediately after they won that cup because I was like, the, we talked about it when they were running when they were running to that cup. That was probably their last year. Really, have a shot at it with that group, and they won it, which is great. But when that happens, a lot of teams like to hold on to the guys that help them want it and this and that. And when you do that, when that was basically the last year of your feasible run with that group. Now you're just putting off the rebuild, restart, that you needed to do immediately because that was really the end. Just because you got it done that year, that's great, but that next step still has to be shedding a lot of those pieces because you're at the end of their rope in some of those cases. And I get it. You're going to keep Ovi and Backstrom together because you have to keep the big Russian machine happy. Otherwise, what do you got? Like that that's your that's your tickets, that's your bell cow, that's your that's what you have to do. You don't you don't neuter your superstars on purpose. Trust me, we're gonna get there in a minute, I promise. <laughs> um so with that team build, like you cannot win sustainably with that happening. Can't look at Chicago, they paid all their guys after they won and look what happened. And they're limping right now, and you can, I mean... It went down like the Hindenburg, and then it's now limping. Yes, it was It was a nice phoenix dead, burned into right. the ashes, and then rising from the sl- slowly starting to rise. But, yeah, they that was... And there's not a fan base out there that wouldn't sign up for that kind of deal if they got three cups in six years. You cannot point me out a single... Okay, maybe you. <laughs> maybe you. But other than that, I can point right here. I can't. I can't point out many NHL fan bases that would not say, "Oh, we get to watch our team win three times in a span of six years." Yeah, ours was eight, but yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'll I'll watch a few bad seasons. I've watched how many so far? Why not? Sign me up. All right, moving on to the series you just mentioned, New York Pittsburgh. We're saving the best for last because I've got so many bullets in the gun. Run away with it. Oh, I'm definitely not going first. Okay. <laughs> New York wins game seven in in the garden. Real quick, can I just talk about how embarrassing it is that Madison Square Garden was the quietest barn all playoffs? Out of all of the arenas, they were the worst. Like Every other arena made an impact, you could tell. MSG was quiet for a long time in that series, and even when they should have been loud, they weren't. They weren't doing much. They were still tired from game one, though, because remember, game one went to triple overtime. Maybe they I were- don't care. There's no excuse to not be yeah. in a game seven to have that. Bi- the roof should be off that place, and the fact that they struggled as much as they did, and they needed some really lucky breaks to to beat the team that they did. Again, they also beat a team who was using a third-string goalie. So let's not act like they beat a superstar. They got taken. They got taken to seven games by a guy who had to come in. And what was it? The second overtime. Yeah. 
was not planning on playing all playoffs. He was planning on cashing a paycheck. He was supposed to be in Wilkes-Barre taking them to an AHL title. Yeah, so it's not super impressive. Or on the taxi squad, whichever way you'd like to put it. I will not be shocked if New York struggles against Carolina. They they really struggled to get through Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's a very good team. Uh, I don't even know if we want to address the referee situation because it was so bad across all the series. Oh, God. All right, no, no, we need to because here's the thing. So the Toronto-Tampa series. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to. Did that go down as the most penalized series of the first round? I'd have to look it up. I don't know. Because at one point it was, and it was not really all that close. Yeah. The the officiating has devolved into what is most closely associated with what we would call a clown show. Mm-hmm. Um, they've so... They've gone so far into their bag of nuance to try to manage games instead of just call them. But, like, we're yeah. at the point now They impact more by swallowing their whistle than by making calls. And, they, and then when they do make calls, it's on crap that's a tenth of yeah. what just yeah. happened seven seconds before that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I understand that you're trying to – manage the game and don't want to be the main story, but by being as absent in some areas and prevalent in others as you are, you're actually making it worse. It's, and it's not, it's not even like it's one sided in a series long subject, but game to game. Yeah. Like, and I get it. Home crowds and stuff take make it make people do things. That, but you're a professional official in the Stanley Cup playoff, just like I would say for the NBA or the NFL. Which, by the way, we've had conversations about this exact subject in both of those sports within the last twelve months. Also, because umpires, officials, whatever, seemingly are becoming more and more unable to remain unaffected by home crowds and home decisions and stuff of that nature, and. Home field advantage is one thing, but, like, this stuff is going psychotic. And what's worse when you really think about it is the lack of people in the pipeline to replace bad referees and officials across all sports is being ruined by parents in youth sports, so no one wants to referee because it's a nightmare of a job. Why would you donate your time for a small paycheck to be – Berated for two hours, three hours. There's well, no the leagues are okay with this crap too. In some of these instances, right. which also feeds in because look, I you guys want to unionize and do all that stuff. That's fine. That's great. But there are negative side effects to unions in some areas, and this the officiating aspect of professional sports. Those unions are a problem. Mm-hmm. Every other person involved with a team or franchise. In any kind of position of authority or power, whether it's player, GM, coach, whatever, sits at a microphone and answers questions at the end of every freaking responsibility that they have. You want to know how we solve it? Can I offer my suggestion? Get rid of the one pool pool report and have them actually have open media availability? Yep. They have to do a press conference just like the players. Okay. You want to trot out guys after they just lost a game seven? 
okay, where's where's Wes McCauley? Where's these referees? Where are these guys that like to be characters on the ice? They like to be the show? Okay, you get to be the show off the ice too. Okay, why don't you explain what you we were thinking? And, I'm and that's not every game, not at the end of the series, yep. every game. And it's not just going to be the acceptable, oh, that was too fast, we missed it. No, mm-hmm. I want to have some reasoning – and you make and you show and you hold them accountable. That's the only way you're going to see change. Where do you get better? How do you yep. not miss it next time? Yep. What's the steps we take? Why again, are some things reviewable that no one saw, but other things not reviewable that no one saw? And how do we improve the pipeline? How do we start getting rid of older officials in all sports? Because it's obvious the game is only getting faster, and as these officials get older, it's harder and harder to keep up, and harder and harder to see the play. Here, let me add, let me offer you this suggestion. Why are they not full-time? Yep. You These guys should be full-time employees, working out, skating, going through film, watching themselves, watching other officials, watching rules and finding the thing. This, that stuff doesn't happen in Just any like, sport, in any professional league. There are no full-time officials. I think the NFL has eight or Just the, like, the White Hats. That's it. Just like you have training camp for players, there should be training camp for officials. You got to show up. You got to hit the certain requirements in your contract, and you require them to be the best. And that's the only way you're going to improve them. And they'll never agree to that, which is a bigger issue. Which is why I said the unions are the issue that they are, because the unions will never let the media availability thing we just talked about ever happen. Right. If they can keep from it, it will never be a subject. Right. But independent of that, I do want to actually talk about what took place. So. Regardless of the officiating being an absolute dumpster fire across the entire playoffs. Great. When you have multiple stars in multiple games across your league, your ticket sellers, the guys that matter, all of them, basically, take hits you supposedly are legislating out of this league and no one receives anything for it, that's kind of a questionable decision-making process because in the same night you watch three stars get run in three different instances and now well you can argue a couple of them may accidental maybe accident this and that one thing and the other i the, the fact of the matter is these are your big big time guys and if you lose them for your playoffs you're hurting your own product so letting guys run around and do stuff is dangerous now some of that is policed by the players themselves that's great that's fine but when you have the opportunity as an official to handle something correctly and to let, and take care of something that's already happened previously in a game and that happens again, that is now on the official. That's what we saw in multiple instances throughout multiple games in playoff series around the league. It happened in the New York and Pittsburgh series. It happened in the Edmonton series. Luckily, Connor wasn't hurt. It happened in uh, Toronto-Tampa. Both ways in that series, and luckily it wasn't hurt. Raquel was hurt, sat out, played one game in this playoffs because of a super high hit that somehow didn't get any punishment. The Crosby one, fine. You want to argue? How about the Gensel one where Truba should have already been ejected? Great. Like, look, if you're going to have this protect the players and players' safety, if you want to tell me it's 1980 and they're going to go beat the hell out of each other again, fine. But if that's what it is, call it that. You can't have your cake and eat it too, and that's what they're trying to do, and it's driving people crazy. And I think independently of all that, Pittsburgh had multiple opportunities to put that series away with all that aside, and they couldn't do it. Now, Louis Domingue, buddy, 
I appreciate what you did in game one in overtime. That was really great. And you fought, and they should have probably won regardless of you being in net. But can either of you tell me the number of games he has played in the last, ooh, let's see, how many years is this? Uh, we are in, let's go decade. Oh, decade. Don't do decade. Now he's actually got some. Um, oh, okay, fine. We'll go. Uh, we'll, no, I'm talking NHL games. I'm not talking yeah, NHL. No, I games. know, I know. But he had some with the team. He, I mean, he was around for a while the last decade. We'll go last five years. Okay. 12, 15? Well, he had, uh, let's see. Are we counting the six in the postseason from just now? Yeah, why not? Or five, five and a half, whatever that was. Why not? Why not? So there's six. Uh, that would be two earlier this year for us. Uh, one for Calgary in 2021. 20, uh, one for Vancouver in 1920. 16 for New Jersey in 19 and 20. Yeah. Um, and 26 in 18 and 19. And 12 in 2017 and 18. So a whopping total of 35 or 40 games in a five-year period. Not great. Not ideal. So when you have that, you can't make some of the mistakes that Pittsburgh has made all season that then bit them in the playoffs. We mm-hmm. uh, Look, I'm very honest about what that team was it had holes it had deficiencies now they also had the veteran experience and leadership when one of them wasn't hit in the head with a chicken wing that also can i throw a quick fun stat at you real quick in over 100 and i believe it's 152 or 53 games that the pittsburgh Penguins have played without Sidney crosby due to injuries and whatnot can either of you tell me how many points evgeny malkin has in those games he's like a hundred and 158 points. He's like a point a game. It's better than that. He's almost two. He's got over 250. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane what he does with sit out. It's incredible. And that is something that doesn't get talked about enough. And again, they probably should have won. I get why they lost game five because having that happen in the middle of the game and having it part of that is also on Sullivan. Look, okay, I like Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter cannot be on your top line as the center as a replacement for when Crosby gets hit. No. That immediately has to go to Gino. Carter has to slide into line two, maybe. If you really want to, you could also put Evan Rodriguez there. You could put Teddy Bluger there. Both of those dudes, especially Teddy, who does literally everything for you on the penalty kill and in every special team situation you can think of. Also, he's really good on the faceoffs. Is a guy that I probably would have put in the second line spot over maybe Jeff Carter and leave Jeff at three. Look, Jeff Carter was a fantastic player for many years. He's also past the prime. Okay. He is cup hunting, if you will. He's cup hunting, which is fine. He's got few. He wants a few, another one. Great. All of them do. I get that. He's not a second line guy. He's damn sure not a first line center, which is where he ended up when Sid got hurt immediately. If I was Sullivan, and I'm sure Sullivan would probably like to have that decision back. You also had a goalie with the lowest expected goals for versus what he let in. Like he was not, he had 19 goals and he was only supposed to have let in like 15. That's the worst in the playoffs. And now he's a third string goalie, but you also have to like, you got to get a little more buddy. You got to give me, you got to give me just a little more now in his defense. And also in Tristan's defense, like six of those goals hit our own skate on their way in the net. It happens. Sometimes the bounces suck. But when you have those kind of players in those positions, you have to play differently. 
And they did that for large portions of the entire series. Here's the here's the thing. Pittsburgh had the expected to win that game, should have won that game, I think in every game in that series. Per all the, you know, the models that they do, the win probability based on who should have won that game if they play it or whatever, how many ever times they play it. They mm-hmm. had it, I think they had it over 50% in every single one of those games. And in most of them, it was over 70% of the time they win the game. It happens. It's hockey. It sucks to happen because you had multiple factors involved, some of them luck, and some of them that should have been handled by the league, and they weren't. You got anything, Logan? Uh, I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to a guy we surprisingly haven't talked about, Jake Gensel. Eight goals in seven games, scored the most out of anyone. He stepped up really well outside the hit, you know, that he got hit from. The dude knew how to put the puck in the net. Really, really was Shesterkin's kryptonite, man. Uh, Igor, we're getting a little shaky now with with Igor going into, into the second round if I'm the Rangers fans here. But, yeah, shout-out to Gensel. Eight we didn't, I didn't even preview Carol because we're going to do a little preview wrap around here after we finish the, the wrap-up. But, so, okay, here's two things on Jake Gensel. One, I don't even talk about him anymore because I just expect it at this point. And that's really bad. Well, that's because he but plays dude, with a guy by the name of Crosby, so you do expect it. I understand that at a, to an extent. But you also – you looked at Malkin's numbers while Sid is out. Sid has been out. When you want, go look at what Jake does when he's out because, oh, I know. by the way, that kid – look. People always talk about Crosby's wingers because, well, they just play with Sid. I get all of that. I have watched many Gensel's of the rare exception side and not score 40 goals a year consecutively multiple times in a row and be a, an absolute force on the back end also. Uh, please see Dominic Simone. Um, Connor Sheary. Yeah. Um, like, there are some guys that are products of playing with Sid, and I get that. Jake is not one of them. No. That dude... The goal he scored in Game 7 should have been, like, highlight reel moment for the entire playoffs that they show forever and ever. That's not supposed to happen. Uh He, that soccer game that they played before, every game, there's a reason that they do that, guys. It's, yes, Sydney is the most superstitious human being on planet Earth. I am almost positive of that. However... That doesn't change the part where there's a reason that they do all this stuff. That soccer drill, you watched it in action. He kicked the puck off the ice to himself in midair, waited just long enough to have no idea whether or not that was above the crossbar or below, because I still don't know technically where he hit that puck at. Still don't know. I I would have been completely fine if they called that either way, but since they ruled it a goal on the ice, there was no for me at that point. There's no way you overturn that if you call. Yeah, that you would need incredibly ice. obvious evidence that he was well above the bar. So at that point, like that's goal of the year. The feet, hand, eye, moment, all of those things wrapped into a bowl. That's goal of the year category. So. No, and that's bad because, like, the running joke is, like, the Milkshake Factory has a sponsorship thing with him where you get a Jake shake for a discount after he scores a goal in a pins game. They're always on sale. You might as well just always make it permanent. I don't <laughs> even know why you bother. He scores every game. If they would have won that series, there's a chance he sets the record for them for most goals scored in a playoff series, and the last guy to do it was Sid at 15 in the playoffs and Jake was at eight in the round one that 
15 for the playoffs for Sid is the top mark. And Jake was over halfway there against the Vez and the trophy winner. Because that's what we're going to call that. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a moment when we get to the next round. Um, Trigger warning for Leafs fans. I'm going to give you uh, two nice compliments before I absolutely rip into them. If either of you want to say something before I just unload. Um, Look, Toronto, it's tough when you play, when you draw Tampa in round one. It is. That is not something anybody wants to do, especially when they're coming off two cups and it's basically the same team again with just a new third line of the same type of guy. Um, That's a lot of experience to go up against, and you have a lot of demons you have to exercise now. You have no excuses because you're at home again for another game seven, and you should have probably got the job done. I don't know that it's necessarily an indictment on your top guys this year. Um, Austin showed up. Marner showed up. Um, Nylander was present. Morgan Riley Tavares had in the last two games. Was great in the last three games. He played really well. Jack Campbell, who you yanked off a scrap heap, it worked out really nicely for you. Um, but you've got net depth issues that probably need to be addressed, which probably going to be a little bit of a touchy subject for some Leafs fans since Frederick Anderson is getting ready to come back in Carolina, I believe, for their playoff series mm-hmm. next against the Rangers. So, um, you, I mean, you're the Leafs, man, at this point, like, it sucks, but like, they're used to it at this point, right? Like, this is, this is the same old song. This is like the Red Sox for 7,500 years or the Cubs or you name it, man. It's, it, what are they, 1945 now? Is that right? Is that the, is that the year? 67 was the last time they won the Stanley Cup. 67 was the last time they won a cup. I'm sorry. Well, I was, I forgot about one in there. In the record. Um, but like the expectations are what they are. I don't know how you, I don't know how they get better. I also don't know how you run it back with that same team. I'll tell you. And I I'm going to let Logan go and then I'll, then I'll give you a roadmap. Good. So you guys know me, um, the weird stats guy, especially as kind of a leaf historian, because the Harold Ballard era is just amazing to me in terms of comedy and terrible human beings. Um, fun fact. Um, that star player, you know, probably gonna win the Hart Trophy this year, Mr. Matthews. In his career, can you guess how many goals he's scored in the winner take all games he's had in his career? Zero. Zero. I know the answer to that question because oh. that stat came up on, on the, the former whipping boy, or still probably the whipping boy of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Mitch Marner. Uh, how many times has he scored a goal in a winner take all game for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Zero. 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 Now, you are giving literally half your salary cap to four players. Nylander, I think he scored one goal in game seven of last year against Montreal. Um, Tavares, I mean, he played pretty well, especially in, uh, I'm pretty sure it was game six when he had two of them. Um, But, oh, it's just, it's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing in the world that was last year. Losing to your French-speaking brothers in a 3-1, that's, way worse than this year in terms of losing. However, no excuses when you have a team like that, you're at home with a full crowd finally. Oh my god, you you have a crowd. People are inside and outside. Not just inside, outside too. Yeah. And once again, this is more about this is not this is not a series that people should compare recent times. This is about 
if you guys know the 1993 series when it was Gretzky's Kings, um, they missed a bad high stick from Gretzky to Dougie Gilmore's face. And then Kings miraculously win game six. They go up to Toronto and Gretzky does what he did his entire career. Stomp the Leafs on home. People's lives. And guess what? You're on the road. You lose and you come back and as soon as the, the second Nick Paul goal get, went in, we knew that just how miraculous that goal was. Sorry, Toronto. We did not believe in you there. Okay. All right. Before, before Ryan goes, I have a question for Logan because I'm sure this is going to get brought up during Ryan's conversation. How bad does that Tavares deal contract look right now? It's bad. Ooh. Ooh. Because I don't dislike John Tavares. I have a lot of respect. I watched him play a lot of years. We used to kick the crap out of him when he was with the Islanders for a lot. I'm used to watching him play. He was very good. They were very bad. That was the whole theme for the Islanders for a long time. He went back to Toronto, and Ryan and I have talked about on this show multiple times. He was a homegrown Toronto kid, wore the Maple Leafs pajamas, the whole story. Everybody remembers that whole saga. We have talked about people from that city playing in front of that fan base and how that goes. And I've got to imagine the toxicity that he feels in that city based on what's happened while he's there has got to be extremely hard to deal with. And that's also why you will never, ever, 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 ever see Sidney Crosby in a Maple Leaf sweater. Every parent knows that children give so much. They give you sleepless nights. They give you hugs. They give you joy. (laughs) And sometimes they give you headaches. Dad, I ran over the mailbox again. But through it all, you want to give them everything. And with the Unest app, it's easy to start saving for your child's future. We put smart investing tools right in the palm of your hand. Unest provides incredible flexibility. Whether you're saving for college or building a nest egg to use for other things for your kids, you can grow your Unest account by earning rewards from over 150 top brands like Disney Plus and DoorDash. Or share your Unest gifting link with friends and family for birthdays and holidays so they can contribute to your child's account. Download the Unest app and use the code iHeart25 at sign up to receive a $25 bonus when you fund your account. That's code iHeart25 when you sign up at unest.co for a $25 bonus. See terms and conditions at unest.co. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Mom, Dad, let's talk. I know right now I'm all about juice boxes and chasing the dog. But sooner than you think, I'm out of here. I want to go to college, out of state. Or start a business in an industry that doesn't even exist yet. My allowance ain't going to cut it. So, while I'm at my most adorable, I'm asking you to download the Unest app and start saving for my future. The Unest app puts smart investing tools right in the palm of your hand. And the funds in your Unest account can be used for anything, from college tuition to building a nest egg to use for other things for your kids. 
Plus, you can grow your Unest account by making purchases from top brands like Disney Plus and DoorDash. Or share a Unest gifting link so friends and family can help grow your child's account. Download the Unest app and use the code IHEART25 at sign up to receive a $25 bonus when you fund your account. That's code IHEART25 when you sign up at unest.co for a $25 bonus. See terms and conditions at unest.co. I think this is a great point for me to jump in and take over, and I apologize. This will be a long rant, and this may be a long episode. I'm but just going to go take a walk, maybe let the dog sure. out. Sure, yeah, I'm going to start with something nice, actually, because I don't even blame those top players on Toronto. I, I, thought, I think they played, I thought they played, played incredibly well. Here's who. Here's the problem for Toronto, and it always has been, and it will continue to be. And you just brought up it is a toxic fan base, and what is worse, it is a toxic media mentality. Okay, there's nowhere else where you have that much of a toxic media presence. Okay, if you go and watch post game press conferences, the media was begging Lightning players to compliment the Toronto Maple Leafs. Didn't they try hard? I mean, they really tried hard, didn't they? They tried. That's embarrassing. You should never have to beg your opponent to come. And good on all the Lightning players because Hedman and Stammer and even Coop, they gave it to him. And Coop gave the correct answer. I don't coach the Toronto Maple Leafs. I coach the Tampa Bay Lightning. Quit asking me about Toronto. Ask me about my team, how well my guys did, because that was the difference maker. Toronto did as good as they've ever done, and they outscored. They outscored Tampa. So that's the big difference, okay? It's not like you were blown out, okay? They, they had every opportunity. If this this was going to game seven, no matter what, this team was motivated. And the thing that bothers me the most is I see fans, and I go, I search it out because I want to know. The fans that are calling for the heads of the GM, the president, and the head coach are proving they don't know puck. Because you cannot tell me any other coach in this league would have gotten that team ready as well as Sheldon Keefe did. Because that team came out like a house of fire, so much so that I was genuinely concerned about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't I don't get that way often. So the fact that I felt real chinks in the armor of a team that has played the most hockey out of anyone over the past two seasons and is incredibly tired and burnt out and worn out, that is a, that is a testament to the coach. That is a testament to the team. They played out, outside of their minds. The biggest issue they have, show me a better GM who's going to do better, okay? They – there's no one else, so fire them. Who are you bringing in to replace them? There's no one out there that's going to do a better job than they've done. What you need to do is you need to change the media mentality and the, and the fan mentality because it is truly a toxic place to live and a toxic place to play for these players, okay? The media has that presence that anytime you mess up, they're ruthless, they're lethal, and it's always that. And what is the fan mentality? They immediately resort to a poor me. They're looking to blame everyone else okay go look at Leafs Twitter who do they blame oh the refs tried to screw us Gary Bettman screwing us we got screwed because we had to face a good team let me tell you four teams after the first round of the Eastern Conference all had over 100 points they're all gone after the second round that will be six of eight Eastern Conference teams with over 100 points that will be eliminated okay so don't ever come to me and complain about having a tough first round if you think you're getting an easy first round this is the nhl only one team was lucky enough to get that this year and that's because they were a god squad built in colorado and got lucky that vegas was run by idiots okay don't complain about who you draw and that's gonna that's gonna be the deciding factor is that you look at what changed in game seven who showed up the biggest andre vasilevsky who's been there before that team has been through everything toronto's been through you look at that team after 2019 
and they got swept by the Blue Jackets in round one after winning the President's Trophy, and they were embarrassed. And then next year they have to go all the way to a fifth over or to a fifth overtime to beat that team. They were so scared, and they got over the hump. So I have no doubt in my mind that Toronto can get over the hump, but the fan and media mentality needs to change. And the biggest thing is going to be a killer instinct. You look at what was the deciding factor in this series. It's bottom six scoring, okay? A guy like Nick Paul, a homegrown Toronto kid 25 minutes from the arena, okay? If you said before the game, hey, a Lightning player born in Toronto is going to score two, people were going to say, wow, Stammer had a great night. was a Stammer. It is the bottom end that needs to show up and outwork the other side, and that's what Tampa does consistently, and it's what they do well. They always have. Jack Campbell is a very competent goalie. They better resign him. If you don't, you're stupid. You need to get rid of the old dead cap. Gio's got to be gone. I love Gio as a human. He cannot keep up with the speed and skill on that Leafs team. He took a penalty multiple that times. That, no, one of them was a was a game changing penalty, and it was it was strictly because he couldn't keep up. It was not because he wasn't in position. It wasn't because he wasn't in the right spot. Like. At certain points, especially in the playoffs, when you're at a certain age and a certain speed and a certain skill level, you get exposed. It just happens. And that's exactly what happened with Gio. And I like Mark quite a bit. Been a stalwart in this league for a long time. Suffered for a very long time for a very crappy Calgary team for God knows why. But at the end of the day, you're – your failures in this series are nowhere like your failures have been previously. Your failures previously were coaching, <clears throat> Babcock, um, mentality, youth. Um, you got beat by the best gun. It's not – that's nothing shameful to lose to the best goaltender. You walked into – the two-time cup champion with a fully loaded with a fully loaded roster and and a Vesna guy in net and you and the took big seven games and you should have probably got it done but you just didn't get anything out of the bottom and they did and the reason there was a difference is because you look at the top they wanted it you look Steven Stamkos I've been one of his harshest critics and I know that I have been ruthless against Steven when he messes up but what he did this postseason he showed that. I have the chance to make history. I care. I want everyone on this team to win one, even the guys who haven't. And I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to block shots. I'm going to go make those plays, and I'm going to work harder. And there's a reason those young guys, the Nick Paul, the Brandon Hagel, that line is so productive because they see what the expectation is. And Stammer mentioned in his post game after game seven, when you put that lighting jersey on, it's an expectation to play at this level. You don't get to come in wherever you want. If you don't come in at this level, you won't be here long. I sat there and watched all three of those games Saturday, and then I was about five. I don't, when when Sid blocked the shot that dropped him, yep. I don't remember what per, part of the period it was, but I think it was the second period. I think it was early. Yep. yep. He he blocked a shot that, look, man, I don't want him blocking shots in the regular season, so please don't block shots in the regular season. Don't take that as how I'm saying this, but – that's something you don't see certain guys do in the regular season because there's an inherent risk with doing that activity that you don't want necessarily certain guys to take. That's a coaching conversation. And a reason why every player should wear shot blockers. I don't understand of, why guys refuse to. I, I, I'll I, tell you why. I'm a guy that refuses to. I won't. 
I we we talked about it when I was a kid. Look, man, it changes the way my foot feels. It changes the way I feel like I can skate and turn and cut. And I hate them because I I I don't know if it was just because of one weird incident, but I got one caught on the other one when I crossed over one time. Took me down. I will never put those things on again. I, I get that, but at it. the level these guys are at with the equipment guys, I they're molded so perfectly. It was a rule you you should wear them, okay? And especially I, if, if they are going to block them better for pro guys than they do for mom and pop and Joe yeah. Blow and me, yeah. and like if they can make them fit to where they're not a nuisance, they're custom. Build they're, them onto the damn skate. Right, you don't even you don't even feel these ones they make, and the fact that guys don't be and I get it, you're superstitious. But if you break your foot because you decided to be be the man and you refuse to wear a shop locker, I'm pissed off if I'm the GM because yeah. why the hell won't you wear it? Wear right. the damn thing. So, I need you for a series, not a game. But still, all these guys, like there are certain players you don't want blocking shots. Mm-hmm. That goes away this time of year. And I tweeted this. If you ever want to watch what team dedication, buy-in, full sellout, full loyalty to the guy next to you, what that looks like on an easily quantifiable and identifiable basis, go watch a Game 7 in a Stanley Cup playoff series. Go watch any Game 7 in a Stanley Cup playoff series. Guys making $10, $12 million are laying down in front of frozen three-and-a-half-inch pieces of vulcanized rubber coming 105 miles an hour, depending on who shoots it at you. Anywhere from eighty-five to one hundred and five, and boy, let me tell you, closest ten feet away. That shit hurts. I don't give a damn. You might get lucky once in a while and catch one flush in a shin pad, and I say lucky once in a while because it's damn near the equivalent of hitting the lottery. And that's not in the top levels. That's in the lower levels where guys are like, look, at that level. Guys can pick where they shoot it, and you're, the middle of your shin pad is not where they're shooting it. So if it hits you and you're blocking a shot, it's probably going to take a little bit of flesh. How many guys you watch get hit in the mouth with pucks this last three days, two days, three days? Several. Guys laying down in front of shots in positions that are not necessarily advised in shot blocking class. Um, they don't usually teach the face first, head first dive into the puck as a good way to block shots but we saw a couple of those because <laughs> playoffs like it that's what you get in game sevens and and the other thing with the nhl and with game sevens there's so much variance inside each game based on just how the puck skitters across the ice that has like people don't realize puck luck is a thing it happens in series it happens throughout games like and in Game 7, it takes one bounce. Pittsburgh series. That that Pittsburgh-New York game ended on one bounce. It hit Matheson's skate and went in the net. Tied the game. They never, they didn't score the rest of regulation without that puck hitting a defensive skate and going in the net on a centering pass from the boards that looked completely harmless. It happens. That's, it happened in the Tampa-Toronto game. That Nick Paul goal, the first one? Just a backhand in, yeah. Like, that That does not go in 99 times out of 100. It hit – I don't even know if it hit anything. It might look like it might have got a piece of a defender on the way through a little bit, but it beat him. It, sometimes you just get stuff that happens, and that's more so in the NHL probably, I think, just based on how the sport is played versus most other sports. Because in basketball, 
the court is completely lit. like you get wet spots, but the court is completely flat. There's no variance in the in the floor. It's all the same raised line. There's no the ball is all the same dimples. That's all the same. Football, it might be windy. That can change things. But when you look at a like, you're talking about a three and a half inch thick frozen piece of rubber that can have the slightest nick or bump out of it and completely change how it moves across the ice. You're talking about an ice surface that in some areas is soft and in some areas is concrete hard. And in some games is really fast. And in other games is an extremely slow. And there's factors involved with hockey that there aren't in other sports. All right, let's go ahead and take a look ahead at the second round. I'm going to say the matchup. I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. We didn't finish the Nashville conversation from earlier. Okay, yeah, go ahead. That GM has been in charge since when? Their inception, 1996-97. Correct. Longer than my entire life. Uh, David Poyle. Yeah. Who's the main problem with Nashville? David Poyle and him hiring his son as his AGM, who's incompetent. Well, the son part is neither here nor there because the father is also incompetent. Right. That's my point. Incompetence from top down. The the issue is the owner is entirely accepting of being just good enough to get in and do nothing with it. And that is the only explanation for how a guy who is a general manager has been there for 24 years? Almost 25, I think. 25 now. years? It started in 96, 97, so it's 22. Yeah, and 25. do me a favor. How many playoff series wins do they have in that time frame? So they had the three to get to the finals. They've had two semifinal appearances and I believe one conference final appearance, so seven. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even think that's right. I think it's – I thought I looked, I thought I saw – Eight. I think they have yeah, one. I might have missed one. Yeah. Win. I might have missed one. Yeah. But they have never, they've one time in their entire history progressed past the conference finals of their, their conference. And that was off sheer dumb luck. Yes. Is it seven? Yep, it's seven. I, I don't know why, but I thought I thought they had eight for some reason. I think I, I think I gave them a series win that they should have won that they didn't, which is plentiful. Um, if that continues, how do you remain involved as a fan in that fan base? You don't, because they have a really good hockey culture there. The market is crazy. Mm-hmm. The year. Trust me, the Penguins were in the Stanley Cup Finals with them the only time they've made it out of the conference. That atmosphere is insanity. Great. Here's the problem. You're eventually going to get tired of going insane for a product you know can't exit the first round without shoving a leprechaun somewhere in the team plane and carrying him with you. You have to have a goalie carry you to the promised land with very little help, or you have no chance. And you've got to get to a point where eventually getting a C is not okay. Because that's where they are every year. They get a C, and sometimes they stumble their way into a B+. Most most years, it's a C-. minus. 
and it it's nothing has changed. How many coach? How many typically, Ryan? How many coaches does a GM get to hire? One. How many coaches has he hired? Three. So, first of all, it tells you it's a little bit of a concern because they've only hired three coaches in 25 years, and they've never won shit. And they've allowed a lot of guys to get away. And I get it. They came in as an expansion team back when expansion teams sucked for a long time. But at some point, you need to get tired of sucking, and he should have been gone long ago. You said, okay. It's not even sucking. How do you not get tired of just being meh? Like, it's not even suck. It's not – it's just – you're, well, at the beginning, at the beginning, they were they were terrible. Like they had eight seasons right. in a row before they even right. Missed I'm the not talking about that. Look, yeah. the Thrashers didn't even make it into a full on franchise because of what expansion did. The the uh, oh god, who was the other one that was? Uh, well, hell, Arizona going swimmingly, kids. Mm-hmm. Like expansion was absolute hell for teams for a long time in the NHL before they figured out. Oh, oh hey, we should probably time. give these people that spend like a ton of money like at least some help to get started if we want to really grow this. So Vegas and Seattle separate. Every expansion before that is an absolute mess. Seattle's just like the the past ones. We're 18 years past that point now. Like seven years, eight years of, oh, my God, this sucks. I get it. We're now, if you, okay, fine. You get seven, eight years of suck. Now you got a four-year window. That's year 12. Now we're still 13 years past that. 13. Yep. And he's still employed. Yep. And they've gotten no better. And in some cases, they actually got worse. In a lot of places, unfortunately. I'm just going to say something. owner of that franchise, if you are not interested in winning and it's just a play thing, sell it. So somebody will come in, take it, get rid of the mediocrity, and allow that fran- that fan base, that franchise, to actually enjoy what they pretty much deserve at this point by sticking by your lame-ass, half-and-half approach to every freaking season I've ever watched you play. If you didn't have Pecorine, nobody would know you exist. Period. All right, you ready to move on to the next round? Um, let me, I'll say one thing about Nashville. Um, what, what colors Philippe Forsberg looks good in? Cause, um, he's yeah, probably not right there. He's coming back. So is he a green guy? Is he a red guy? Like a- familiar with yellow. I say just add some black to it and call it a day. Sure. Sure. <laughs> every, every NHL player's favorite color is a dark, dark green. The U S uh, U S currency is in. So whichever <laughs> team most of that at him, He'll wear he'll wear purple and pink if you ask him to. I he only cares about the are nice as long as the contract is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next round, the first series run like New York versus Carolina. I'm going to ask you how many games and who you think is going to win it. We'll start with you, Logan, and any thoughts you have. Mm. I'm going to go Canes and six. Um, Notice, you know, the, the Penguins, very talented team. You know, you have all the scoring in the world, but there's also, but they were injured. They were injured, and they, and the Rangers still had that struggle. And then the Canes, you have to expect if Anderson comes back, which I think he would. And they took care of business at home against a really tough Boston team, a team that you can argue could be a better team than New York. I wouldn't get past that. 
it's it's you know it depends i feel like boston's the better team i think carolina is going to get it done they'll probably slip a game or two in madison square i think shesterkin is going to be primed for just a monster game like he did in game one so i think carolina just they're the better team they can just score they can defend they played really physical they were willing to eat shots especially boston they were eating those shots during the series i think carolina will get it done in six all right go Kyle. ahead no no i'm gonna uh, you go ahead Kyle. okay so this is gonna come as a surprise to some folks i was a rangers fan as long as well as a penguins fan for many years because i kind of had split allegiances i had gretzky in his former in his latter years finishing out his career in new york and my dad at the time was a giant Penguins fan, and I watched Mario all the time. And at that point, I was super young, so I just watched those two guys. Like, I didn't really care about teams at that point or whatnot. Everything I was worried about when I was a kid was Gretzky. Like, he was my focus. My dad introduced me to Lemieux and the Penguins. That became a focus because, good Lord, watch Mario Lemieux play hockey for 30 seconds, and you will be unable to take your eyes off the screen. It just is. So I had dual allegiances for a really long time. <clears throat> Up until as recently as about 12 days ago. I, look, I've been involved in both of the Twitter fan bases circles for many years in both sides of it. I've been involved in the fan base pages and all that stuff on both directions. That series changed a lot of things for me about the Rangers fan base. Still don't mind the team. Um, I will tell you this. Shesterkin does not like playoff atmospheres like he got in Pittsburgh. And I'll tell you one thing you're going to get in Carolina. You're going to get a playoff atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you right now, Carolina watched that series and watched and listened to the Igor chants do what they did to Igor. And you can tell me that that doesn't affect players. Man, he was shook in Pittsburgh. And it was all over his face. If he struggles, they're dead. Because their entire season has been built off of our top guys can score enough and he can make uh, 12 saves a game that he shouldn't and we will win. And that is not going to beat Carolina. Full disclosure, I had Pittsburgh losing this round to Carolina anyway because... Carolina is a buzzsaw that I don't want to play if I'm in the Eastern Conference, if I'm any team. They are young, they are big, they are physical, they are fast, and they have multiple goaltenders. And that is a recipe for disaster if you are playing that team. They are going to – they just took a Boston team with a ton of experience, a ton of leadership, a ton of skill, and pummeled them. Without mercy, that is the most disorganized, beat-up Boston I have seen in a long time. They don't get bullied like that. I don't care if they're towards the end of their careers or whatnot. Go look at B's history. That doesn't happen very often. They got flat-out bullied by a, diff by a bigger, faster, stronger, more skilled team. I was terrified of Carolina regardless. Man, after what I watched out of Shesterkin in the Rangers in that first series, um, Kane's in five, 
and I don't think but one of the games is even close, and it's the one the Rangers win. I think you're going to get absolutely buzzsawed by Carolina. Okay, I also have the Canes. I'm taking them in seven. Uh, personal concerns for me with the lack of ability to win in Boston. I know it's a tough barn. And if that's not that, that's what I'm saying. If that truly was the case, MSG, unless they somehow do a line of cocaine for every fan as their, uh, their give out that, that, that building, unless they give out free tickets to actual Rangers fans who can't afford the prices, they're never going to compete with any of the other buildings. That's my only concern. I also believe Shesterkin will probably steal two games because of how well he played in game seven. He showed why he was a Vezina finalist again, because Pittsburgh had about 10 or 12 chances that should have been tap-ins and just that he he made an unbelievable goals that should have been that weren't. So if he can get a couple of those games, I won't be shocked if it goes seven. But if that building is quiet, I have no doubt in my mind it is going to be a problem. The only thing I will amend is it might go six strictly because of how crap the ice is at MSG. Like, flat out, they haven't been able to figure out how to get that ice to not be warm on the fourth floor of that building in 30 years. And they still don't know how to do it. It is constantly – we spent almost as much time having them fix ice problems as they did doing intermission shows during the freaking games. Like, every time they had a whistle, there was a spot that needed this or needed that or needed this. And I'm not talking about the 10-minute ice scrape that they do in every period. I'm talking refs on their hands and knees with a puck and a water bottle doing rink maintenance because they can't keep that, that ice functioning because of how it's all set up. And I get it's the biggest, baddest arena in the world. The ice just sucks. Like, it just is. So it, that changes how teams play. It slows the game down. It, it changes a little bit of the aspect. But I don't think you want to play a dirty game with Carolina either because they're just going to lay into you. All right, Logan. Tampa, Florida. What do you have in the game's thoughts? Oh, gosh. The one thing, this is a game seven series. I think this is this is going to be seven. I just, I'm all I'm doing is I'm praying to God we get a hundred freaking goals. Like it should be just it just scoring, absolute scoring tear through this. This is a now Florida's coming in is having nightmares. a lot of revenge. They they want the revenge. They do. They do. The Tampa Bay Lightning want to do something that is very hard to do. That's the three P. Um, and you guys heard me several weeks ago about my curses and the presence trophy curse. Um, the presence trophy winner hasn't made it to the conference finals since 2015. And that will continue. I think the lightning will win in a heartbreaker in sunrise, Florida. The fans are too distracted with Miami. The heat in the Eastern conference finals for the NBA. We're going to have a lot of scoring. And I think Bobrovsky surprisingly will not live up to that massive contract and I will have the lightning win in seven. Sorry, Florida, but business. Ryan, the only reason I said you're having nightmares is because no fan of any team likes watching their team play 10 to nine playoff games. It's just a lot of blood pressure problems. That's just no fun. Now the rest of us on planet earth, I'm good. If every game has at least 20 goals scored in it between the two teams, I frankly don't care. These two, uh, do you have a coin? Because that may be the easiest way to determine who's winning this series. Um, 
Florida is absolutely loaded, like front to back. They are stupid deep. Tampa is absolutely loaded, like front to back. They are stupid deep. Are we? Did you hear how I'm saying the same thing for both teams? It's because it's the same thing for both teams. Okay. Um, a lot of this series is going to come down to effort, experience, mentality, and the biggest key in the whole series is the sixth guy that never leaves the ice. Mm-hmm. If you see Florida have to turn to Spencer Knight in this series, things have gone wrong. Now, that is not to knock Spencer Knight. I actually think he might be a better goalie than Bob Roski at this point, but nobody knows because they don't let him play any. Uh, right. Hold on. Andre Vasilevsky is an absolute problem, and if you're going to beat that Tampa Bay team, you have to have a goalie at least be able to be 90 to 95% of him because he's going to be a demigod pretty much routinely. Like, it, you just watched him steal the Toronto series for the most part. Like, he, he's why they won game seven and a lot of reasons. He is extraordinarily hard to beat when it matters, and he knows that, and they know that. So that gives them a freedom to play a certain way that a lot of other teams flat out can't. You cannot play loose and freewheeling and and, and whatever with a, with a backup goalie or a bad goalie in that. Please see the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you you can't you cannot give you can't play super aggressive offensive defensemen and have guys jump in and do crazy stuff and move and all the positional rotations. Go watch a Lightning game. Go watch the guys in the different positions that they play throughout a shift on the ice at the same time. Now, you see it a lot in the NHL where guys rotate and shift. You very rarely see the amount of shifting between centers, wingers, and defensemen in the offensive zone that you do. In Tampa, you will sometimes end up with both defensemen below the goal line and two wingers standing at the point on a five-on-five situation, not a five-on-four situation. That happens. It's the way that they play, and they can play that way because, oh, yeah, the guy behind them is basically a wall. If you beat him, you earned it 99.9% of the time. The only reason I'm taking Tampa in this series is Andre Vasilevsky. I actually think Florida has the better front portion of their roster. I don't trust Sergei Bobrovsky as far as I can throw him in a playoff series. I don't. It, it just is what it is. If Bob proves me wrong, I will be happy as hell because frankly nobody wants to see tampa win three except ryan and his friends it is just is what it is like i get it it but florida the panthers i can't even say florida because they're both from freaking florida the panthers fan base is not going to be distracted by the heat just get that out of the way now miami is a very large town with a lot of entertainment things going on and they have no problem filling up all of those things when the entertainment is worthwhile that place will be bouncing when Tampa comes calling because you've got the two-time defending cup champs coming into your building. And every Florida hockey fan diehard has been waiting for this since, and before last season, they've been waiting for it for since the year of the rat in what, 90, what was that? Three. So no, this isn't going to be a problem on draw side in, in Florida, but this series, it's a highway series. It's like, just like another series we're going to talk about here in a second. You got you got what you want if you're the NHL in this aspect because these two teams, you think you've seen teams unload at all? You're going to get it all out of these two groups. There's 
there's basically no drop off lines one through four in either teams. It's like it's if you just put two semi trucks face to face with the same exact specs and have told them both to push the gas as hard as you want. Who knows who's going to win? Maybe somebody blows a tire. All right, how many games? Seven. I don't even think that's a question. Seven. All right, here's what I'm going to say. And the only reason I'm taking my boys in six are things you've mentioned. Mr. Sergey Bobrovsky, he makes 10 sheets. That's $10 million for people who don't know. Okay. And for those of you who have not followed his career as closely as some of us, he has this nasty habit of turning into a uh, ghost in the playoffs. It's like the pumpkin at the ball at Cinderella. The carriage turns into midnight, and he goes from the beautiful carriage into the ugly pumpkin that's broken and shattered and has no chance. And the reason, the only reason I think it's going to get this far is because of one man, Braden Point. I truly have concerns. That injury he sustained in Game 7. The fact that I didn't bring it up right now, I'm kicking myself. Because the fact that he not only stayed on the bench, but then tried to take a shift in that second period, and then remained on the bench and no one noticed it. He was using the iPad all game to try and help other guys, show them what they were missing, what they were seeing. Talking to Nick Paul, talking to Brent Hitt, all those guys. That What that does for a team to rally around is almost unbeatable. And that's what you saw. Him gutting it out, trying to take a shift and not being able to, and then staying on the bench and helping the boys. As soon as I saw that, I knew there was no shot in hell Toronto was beating that team. So he's guaranteed to miss game one. He's going to be day-to-day for the rest of the series. If he can come back later, I have no doubt in my mind. I have no doubt in my mind that this team is going to have no trouble scoring on Bobrovsky. And the reason I think it's not going to be an issue, this is a rookie coach. Don't forget, this is an interim head coach. And unlike the guy he replaced would have no problem rolling through all three goalies like he did last year, I don't see this guy having the the guts to take out the $10 million man unless he's down bad. And that means he's not going to go to the secret weapon on the bench who's cool, calm, and collected, call him the Iceman like they should. But he's not going to go to Spencer. He's not going to. He's still coaching for a job. There's no way he's going to be willing to risk that and take out the $10 million man, risk upsetting the players. He's going to try and do his best. And that is a team that is playing for a rookie coach right now. And you can tell in the way they were coached. They mishandled many things in that Washington series they shouldn't have. And, again, we've seen it because Toronto had no problem. Vassie was not himself until game seven. If, a little bit of game six. But when I'll, they need it, this on the, on the head coach thing. If Bob gets blown out, and he goes back to them, they're done. Consecutively? No, no. I, I If he gets blown out once, shit happens, it's Tampa. Like, sometimes it's Tampa. If he gets blown out consecutively, and they're, say, 2-2 now because they won the first two, and then they go to Toronto or Tampa and get smoked twice. I, I think they split in Sunrise, truthfully. I understand that, but I'm just – I'm giving you a scenario here. If they, if they go 2-0 and then get blasted twice in Tampa – how do you not turn to Spencer at that point? The same way he didn't in Washington. He, again, he knows where the money is. He knows this guy's making 10 sheets. You, again, it's very hard as a rookie coach to have that confidence to say, okay, I'm going to go to the unproven kid, just changing up. He's not unproven. He's just not proven it in Florida, which is right. totally separate. Right. But again. Because Bob but, isn't proven in Florida either, if we're being right. 100% honest. Right. So it's just very hard to do when you have that kind of money on the line. I just don't see it happening. And, again, this Tampa team has a will, and they want it, and I just don't see it. 
the fact that they got over the hump of Toronto, and I got worried after the first couple of games, game three, I was like, oh, boy, this team's in trouble. To gut that out the way they did, and if you get Braden Point back, I don't see this team losing to anybody. Yeah, I just I, if I'm that rookie head coach and I'm coaching for a job and I watch him get absolutely bombshelled two games in a row, guess what? If I don't get it right, I'm gone either way. I'm gonna give the sh- kid a shot. See, I don't think he's gone either way. And my bigger concern is that he won't get blown out. It'll be like a five-three loss or a five-four loss, and it'll be close enough that you justify it because. I mean, we scored four on their guy, you know. It, it'll be close enough that they won't do it, and that'll be the game changer. I just, I like, I just, I, my, with with them getting, if they get blown out, like if I'm that coach for in my rookie year and they're getting, and you're getting him shelled twice in a row, hey man, maybe you need a break. You played a lot in that first series. We didn't expect you to play. We weren't supposed to go that deep with Washington. We should have got it done sooner. You just played. We won the two here. You got absolutely blasted there. Maybe you need a break. And then if Spencer comes in and is is hot, you ride the hot. Well, and Spencer came in when Bob did get blown out in one of the games in Washington and gave up two or three. So I'm not sure that he has the kind of confidence that, you know, other people would. So that's the other issue. We're going to switch up this time. Cal, I'm going to you first. Calgary versus Edmonton, the other highway series that you mentioned, the Battle of Alberta. I can't how many. I cannot wait. It's going to be a high-scoring, high-octane. I don't even care about that. I can't wait. 30 goals apiece. These two fan bases and these two franchises hate one another. Like, we talk about rivalries in a lot of sports and a lot of teams hate one another. These two, they are way too close as far as geographically. They overlap in a lot of – you're going to have a lot of split households. It's about a two-hour drive. Yeah, you had a lot of split households in this art, and I'm not talking like, oh, husband and wife split. I'm talking about siblings and parents and grandparents. Like this, this is as deep as it gets as far as rivalries like that go. As in in that in that area, and in the sport, it's extremely violent. So, with that much. Both buildings are going to – you're going to be able to light a match and the whole place is going to explode. Like, both buildings. It's going to be off the charts. It'll be the first time either building doesn't look 100% because there will be fans from both cities that can get tickets in the other building. Yeah, because it's literally down the street either direction. So, you've got two fan bases that absolutely do not like one another and several of them live in the same house with the other fan base. You've got – Two franchises that haven't gotten along ever. This series is going to be probably the most physical series you're going to watch in the playoffs, would be my bet, just based on the the reputation between the two teams and their history. Because regular season games are an absolute disastrous, dangerous nightmare for both teams. It's not going to get any better when the stakes get higher. You're going to watch. There's going to be, I don't even know how many goals scored, a billion in yeah, this both, They both have bad goaltending. Of course there's going to be a billion. Yeah, you're not getting elite goaltending play out of either one of them, really. And both back ends aren't elite defensively. They're more offensive geared back ends, and some of them are older in certain areas. So uh, this is another seven-game series to me strictly because of the emotion that will be in both teams in both buildings there's I don't think there's a way that these two teams don't go seven with how much that there is between them um they're both pretty top heavy 
as far as their talent layout goes and their production is concerned. They're both pretty much the same experience level, which is not a ton for either franchise in this scenario for the bigger players. Um, I don't even know that the goaltending matchup matters because they're both just, I mean, I guess Markstrom is more likely to get hot than, than what Edmonton has, but it just, for me, this series is going to come down to 97 and 29. And if those two do what they're supposed to do, Edmonton should win the series. So you're going to Edmonton. So you I will take Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton based on McDavid and Dreisaitl. Edmonton winning in the saddle dome. See, it's, it's the step that McDavid and Dreisaitl have to take to go to that next spot and make the rest of that, all that crap that happened earlier this year with the reporters and the nonsense and the back and forth and the vitriol and the issues that all has to be erased. This they can't lose to Calgary in the playoffs. You cannot, if you're McDavid and Dreisaitl, you cannot lose to your biggest rival with a chance to go to the conference finals. Can't, can't happen. They've got to play at a level that they're top level period for, and if they do, they win the series for me. If they don't, they lose. It's pretty that it's pretty much that simple for me as far as Edmonton is concerned. Logan? Oh man, dude. Ooh. See, I've been I've been high on Calgary for m- most of the year, and I've been very low on Edmonton for most of the year. Oh, you're go Edmonton, the pros. You got nine seven and two nine. You also have number ninety one. We scored seven goals in a series, which is, you know, impressive without violating any laws. That's, you know. We don't know that he didn't violate any laws. Allegedly. Allegedly. Put out there. Allegedly. You know. Evander Kane. Nice charity donation during the middle of the playoffs, though. That was good. Yeah. No. Evander Kane stepped up scoring seven goals in seven games, which is absolutely crazy. Something that they needed. Also, shout out to the boy, former Pittsburgh Penguin. Cody freaking CC stepping up and playing some nice defense. Um, yeah, that one hurt because he was, let's just say, less than stellar when he was in Pittsburgh, and then to watch that come out of him and it, yeah, yeah. So both places are rocking the Battle of Alberta. Oh, I'm going against my word against the teams that I'm, I'm flipping the case mostly because all respect to Ottinger. Calgary is a team that should have scored a lot more goals than what they had to do in this last series. So I'm going to take the Edmonton Oilers in seven, if not six. And, and this is, and is it? Six or seven. Give me a number. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to stick with the theme of the, the, the playoffs. I'm going to go Oilers beat the Flames in a tough and gritty seven games. All right. I'm going to tell you why you're both stupid and wrong. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Noted, noted hater of both teams, okay? Mm-hmm. The rich history of both don't like either of them. But as you just pointed out, Ottinger is one of those rare commodities that doesn't happen often, and you can't really c- complain much if you get by them because to score on them, it takes a whole hell of a lot. It's like scoring on the elite, the best of the best. Go look at Miracle 1980. They pulled the best goaltender in the world. You don't do that, okay? Here's the difference. 
and a wise man once said this rule number 76 no excuses play like a champion okay they don't do that in edmonton okay you cannot be crying in a post media press conference you know four goals should be enough to win a playoff game no connor it's not you have a bad goaltender connor be better you want to be the best in the world you want to show why you're better than Sidney crosby show it to me okay you want to know why sid's been the best for forever because he went when it mattered he showed it okay he did all the little things. If he needed six, he went and got six. He did what he had to do. You cannot call yourself the best in the world and complain about bad goaltending when you've known you've had a bad goaltender all year. You thought all of a sudden something was going to change? Did you wave a magic wand and get pixie dust all over him? That doesn't flip a switch, okay? You're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. You don't, get, you don't have the switch flip. You have a bad goaltender all year. You have a bad goaltender in the playoffs. This is what happens. Calgary is coached better. Daryl Sutter is a hard-nosed coach who gets his guys ready. The Saddle Dome, the Red Mile for all of its, you know, problem. They are they're tough to go into that barn. It's tough to win. I don't believe Edmonton has the back end. I don't think the old Duncan Keith, as much as I love him, he's not getting it done. And Evander Kane, when it gets real serious, you know, it's easy to be out in L.A. and have a good time when their fans aren't really into it. But when it when it's in the Saddle Dome and you got to go, you got to you got to take that thirty minute flight. And go, you know, three rounds in hell, two times to, to start the series. If you come out 0-2, you're going to be in a tough shape. And I don't trust Edmonton as far as I can throw them. I think they're all soft. I think they're no good. Both teams have bad goaltending. If you ask me who I trust more, Markstrom's a much better goaltender than Mike Smith. Oh. Mike Smith has brain farts three times a game. He almost allowed Vegas or Los Angeles to beat him. So, no, I have no faith in Edmonton. And as, and as well as McDavid played in that first round, I don't think it's – I don't think he's sustained – I don't think it's a sustainability. And I will not be surprised if that depth scoring dries up and they make poor changes because Calgary is faster, they're younger, and they hit hard. All right, last one. Kyle, go review again. Colorado, St. Louis. Who you got how many? This series is probably Colorado's biggest hurdle in this playoff run to the finals. St. Louis is not a team anybody wants to play this time of year. We we talked about it earlier. They're they're at least three lines deep, pretty much the same guy. Like, there's no real drop-off. I think Colorado gets this done. Um, It looks like they're going to have their goalie back. His swelling around his eye went down from that weird ass stick through the goalie eye hole, which I don't think I've ever seen happen before. Because normally <laughs> slits in those eye holes aren't big enough for a stick to get through. So that that was just weird all the way around for Kemper. Or was that Kemper? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this Colorado has to get this done. Mm-hmm. This is the series that they Joe Sackick built this team for this. Like, this is what you're here for. This is why we put this team together. They are. We talked about Florida and Tampa being loaded front to back. <laughs> Colorado is um, loaded. not even the right word. They're so deep. Their bottom two defensemen could start top pair for like 17 teams in the league. Like, they've got weapons upon weapons upon weapons, and they come from all different places. They've got weapons up front. They've got weapons out back. 
Hell, if Kemper's hot, good luck. We just talked about Ottinger. If Darcy Kemper is playing like Darcy Kemper can play, uh, and with that offense, I know St. Louis is deep, but (laughs) you're going to need it. You're going to have to be perfect on the penalty kill, damn near perfect on the power play. I'm talking you better convert 30% on your power play, and you better not let them score more than 15% on the power play. Is kind of performance St. Louis is going to need on special teams. And they're going to have to be – you used to be able to bully Colorado with physicality and push them around. That is not happening. They are big. They do not care. Their star players are um, very willing to exchange the body with anybody. This series is going, I think, six. And – I'm giving St. Louis too, just because of how tough and hard nosed and ridiculously experienced and deep that they are up front. I just don't look, man. Bennington can have his resurgence, but he's done exactly nothing since winning that going on that cup run with them. And in big spots, in big situations, ever since then, we have watched him melt like butter mentally. And you can't have a mentally problematic goaltender in a series like this against this team because they're going to be in your blue paint. They're going to be in your face. They're going to be shooting the puck ridiculously from all angles, all the time, constant speed, constant shoot. Like there's no deep breath moment in a game against Colorado. And Bennington struggles when he's constantly bombarded. And when he has, if he gets emotional, this series is over. He can't he can't lose his mindset or the Blues have no chance. So Colorado on six is what I'm hearing? Yep. All right, Logan? Man, oh, man. So I do remember prior, right before the playoffs, we had our predictions on who would win uh, or at least make the Stanley Cup. I did say the St. Louis Blues. I've been high on the Blues for a long time. I said they were a sleeper team. The problem is, is once again, I'm going back off my word. It's Colorado. I, I'm, I really like the Blues. Like, you can't there's say. There's no shame in taking Colorado. We get it. It's Colorado. Just I know. Thing. Like, they're, they're so good. The biggest question is, can Bennington actually. The answer is no. How many games do you want Colorado? And that's the, that's the question. I'm doing Colorado in six, man. Yep. I'll take Colorado in six. I'm taking them in five because, again. It's a lot easier to beat up on Minnesota when you can physically beat them up. I don't see you beating up Nate Dogg and Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is just too good. Colorado is just too good. I don't see this being much of a series. You beat might up Gabriel Leonard. Go ahead. I mean, Go ahead and beat up Gabe. Go ahead and try. I, I would encourage you to really run that one out and see how that goes. You might get lucky and steal one, but there's very little chance. Colorado is a wagon. It's just we all know it. Let's get behind it. One last thing I want to address that I find curious. This is outside of the playoffs, but uh, as we know, the Islanders fired Barry Trotz. <clears throat> I think his replacement is incredibly suspect. Uh, Who, no, hold on. We're not even going to do that. Who in the hell is his replacement? I, I'll tell you. I'm about to tell you right now. Well, like, for, I'm I follow this sport I'm, extraordinarily I'm in-depth. I can't tell you who the hell or where the hell he came from. I'm going to tell you, and you're going to love the answer. Ready? Lane Lambert. Okay, you want to know where he's been his entire career? Let me guess. In-house? No, no, no. It's better than that. 
Can you, do you know where Barry Trotz is coached? Can you just tell me those teams real quick? Uh, Washington, Nashville. Um, God, I'm blanking on one. Is that that's it? Fine. That might be it. But that's I'll tell you exactly where Lane's been. He's been his number two the entire time. Everywhere Trotz has been, Lane has been with him. He's it's literally taking one guy, getting rid of him, and replacing it with the exact same. It's like getting a mini me. Like it's Doctor Evil. I know my mini me. That's all this is. So really, I'm questioning Lou Lamorello. I think this is a dumb, stupid move. I think there are a lot of coaches and out there available that could take this team to another level. I think if Philly or this team had hired John Tortorella, I think they have a chance to compete. And the fact that neither of them are going to probably is stupid. This is a dumb move. You're basically you, – okay, what you're telling us with this firing because he's been unbelievable is that the guys are tired of his style of play and his voice, and all you did was bring in him 2.0, so maybe a little nicer. It's the same – going to be the same style, so I'm going to be much different. It's just a stupid move in my opinion. Well, if you're tired of his voice and his style, maybe it's a you problem. Yeah. Go well, look at what he's done where he's been. Yeah, I know. Again, he plays a very boring style. Like I, I can understand how guys get frustrated when they don't have the success. Lou Lamarillo is your GM. You can't have facial hair. You like the Yankees, but broken, terrible. What yeah. the? What are we talking about? I, I would look to Lou if I were the owner, but that's the news. I don't, I don't make it. I just tell I, it. That's insane. We just, I think you stupid. brought up trots. Where's he land? Because it's Florida or Vegas. Vegas? I don't think Florida's firing. I think their guy's done enough. They lose that series, they might. Mm-mm. Oh, he won on their first playoff series. That's since fine. If you get the opportunity to go hire Barry Trotz, who literally has the track record of taking teams that are just right there to go to the cup, do, do I, you not go take that shot, or do you let the young kid who's never done it before do it? I don't think he's going to be available by the time they're done. Well, I they lose the series, he will be. If Vegas is smart, they snatch him up tomorrow. You just said a sentence that I'm not 100% sure is something that I would bet on at the moment. Well, fair enough. All right. So, any any last things we want to get in here real quick before we head out? So, I know it's been a long episode. Yeah, this one's going to be long. Um, it this, play, this is the best time of the year to watch hockey, whether your team is still in it or it's not. Like, I'm frustrated. It, that series shouldn't have gone the way it did for my team. But at the same time, I'm going to watch every game of the next of these series because – you don't get better hockey than this. If you're a hockey fan, this is the time to watch this sport. And if you're not a hockey fan and you're just trying to get into it, things to watch, yeah. yeah. If you're just now getting into it, this is the absolute best time to a start watching the sport because it doesn't get more exciting than this. B learn the sport because this is where you're going to get the most in-depth conversations about how things are going. Because right now, your studio analyst stuff, they're breaking down the little nitty-gritty things that you really need to understand about the sport to know the sport in an in-depth way and see you don't get to you don't get fan bases and environments like this in a lot of other places this is like college college sports for like college football in the south but like all the time and every game for every one of these series logan you got anything i'm just excited and and the thing is is we don't have to wait too long we just it's just month as of recording and guess what first game of the second round battle of florida Florida and Tampa. I got friends on both sides and they're going to be chirping and I'm just excited and I can't wait. Every, every series is a must watch and just the atmosphere of having playoff hockey is just, Oh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing to feel, to hear, to see 
can't quite taste unless you're at the game and have a nice dog. So, and the smell, eh, you know, we forget about smell. I, I'm, I'm just truly excited, truly excited for this week. I cannot wait for tomorrow night for just the start of the great second round. That will negative side effect living in Florida. You have friends on both sides of that rivalry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we want to remind you if you want to follow us on socials, the podcast is at SIA First Line. If you like the network, it is at the SIA Network. Feel free to check them out. I'm going to be putting out a couple of hockey articles on the teams that have been eliminated or did make the playoffs coming out soon on what they need to be a legitimate cup contender. Toronto, it'll be a checklist for how to improve your fan base and your media market, so make sure you uh, read it carefully. Uh, if you want to follow us on socials, that is at Eilers underscore Logan. So that's E-I-L-E-R-S underscore Logan at KThen16. And for myself, it is at Ryan underscore Feaster19. We will be keeping up to date. On all the wonderful hockey action, there will be some good, funny tweets, I'm sure, from all three of us with the, with these series up to come. And this has been The First Line. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.